All right, here we go. I welcome you all to another episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast. Once again, with your host, Bernhard Gunther and Laura Matsu. Today, we dive deep into crossing the threshold. What does it take to transcend the matrix? Obviously, a very important topic for the times we're in right now during this time of transition, as more and more is coming up in these intense times. And speaking of time of transition, uh, our group coaching program, Time of Transition Embodied Soul Awakening, uh, starting November 22nd, is already full. Uh, it filled up in record time in less than a month, so there's no more space available for the November one. Uh, but due to high demand and getting a lot of applications, a lot of um, interest, we are starting another round of this 12-week private group coaching program in January, within, starting right in the new year, January 3rd until March 26th. And this program, Time of Transition Embodied Soul Awakening, is a 12-week uh, coaching program in psychological and spiritual self-work, where we combine the necessary inner work and outer work. Inner work meaning doing the self-work on all levels, the fourfold approach of holistic self-work, physical, psychological, intellectual, and spiritual, in context of the outer work, understanding the cosmic forces we're up against, the matrix forces, as well uh, in context of the evolution of consciousness and our spiritual development. So it's, it's, it's quite an intensive course and very much needed this kind of work in this day and age. So if you're interested to enroll in the January round of this program, feel free to go to my website, veilofreality.com and look under courses and you can apply there. There's a little write-up about the course as well. Or you can go straight to awakenapply.com and fill up an application. And this one is already, we started enrollment for the January around a few days ago and it's already almost half full so if you're interested get on it and um, with that being said let's dive into this episode crossing the threshold and what it takes to transcend the matrix so the question we're going to basically attempt to answer is related to this esoteric parable where at a certain point in your own journey, you cross the threshold and there's no turning back. There's no turning back to your regular life. There's no turning back to the matrix, the conditioning factors. You just know that you're on an altogether different path. So what does that take? You know, What does it take to actually truly cross that threshold? And that's the question we're gonna attempt to answer based on our own personal experiences, what we've seen in people we worked with as well. You know, and really trying to answer the question, how come some people who have done done a lot of self-work are still not having the breakthrough experience, are still not feeling truly themselves, are still not changing their lives, you know, because I feel that the essence of crossing the threshold is that your life will radically change and there is no turning back. And I do think this is a major evolutionary shift that happens to people. If you think about an evolutionary astrology terms, it's uh, kind of arising out of the consensus state, the hive mind, the conditioning factors of society, culture, our parents, and really turning to the path of individuation, which is really this a, a spiritual path in the end. So 
maybe you can say a little bit about more of that. Let's let's first actually just clearly define what we're referring to the matrix as, because I think yep. that that is a term that a lot of people use and we probably all have our own definitions for that. So let's talk about that first. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Very important to, when we ask what does it take to transcend the matrix, we first want to understand what is the matrix and what does it mean to transcend it? And the matrix, obviously, it's uh, everybody refers to it in some way or, or the other, um, mostly relating to the film, The Matrix, <laughs> right? Which we know now was a documentary, <laughs> not a fiction <laughs> film, especially the first part. Uh, but what is truly the matrix? I feel like, you know, in all our journeys, people in this awakening process or seeking truth, what I've seen, we mostly see the matrix externally manifested. And in a nutshell, what is the matrix? It's anything that keeps us asleep, keeps us uh, from our uh, true nature, from our own power, keeps us controlled, manipulated, right? Like herd, like slaves and whatnot. And the way the matrix works, you know, sometimes very overt, you know, very obvious via physical control and all of that but most often we are also seeing the matrix on unseen levels the unseen prison right that ties into the difference between the 3d matrix and the 4d hyperdimensional matrix which i've talked and written about a lot um, already on my website so anybody who's not familiar with that please go to veilofreality.com uh, many articles films and uh, even past episodes of the podcast talk about that but again, going to the point that right now, a lot of people I see starting to ask questions. This is almost a silver lining of what's happening right now with this draconian, draconian medical tyranny that's happening globally, right? The New World Order and all of that uh, cracking down. Yes, a lot of people go along with it, but it also does trigger an awakening, quote, great awakening. It, people start to question. So that's the silver lining. Uh, and they start to see the matrix manifested externally. But the trap I see a lot of people engaging, and I'm not taking myself into an equation, especially when I first, quote-unquote, took the red pill, we externalize the matrix. We see it out there and the forces trying to control us. But what the matrix really is, from a deeper esoteric perspective, it's a mind program. It works through us. The war is literally through us, right? You can see it in, in terms of wetiko or the occult forces. It is working through us. It keeps us in our own uh, mental prison, you know, and uh, through various beliefs, conditioning, programming, and also wounds and traumas, yeah. we have become very mechanical, even ties into the question of free will. What is true free will if you're still dealing with your own triggers, your unconscious behaviors, mechanical behaviors, acting out of unconscious trauma, wounds, or just basic social and cultural conditioning? That's a huge that, part. That's, that's yeah. a big one. I see a lot of people, you know, I've worked with, and I've seen it myself, you know, people talk about just, for example, reality creation, manifest your desires and all of that. But where are your desires truly coming from to begin with? What yeah. do you truly want? Who are you? And most desires people have are literally just programmed by society and culture. Mm -hmm. They're telling you what you think you need in order to be happy and so on. Or their trauma responses shadow responses based out of insecurity trying to fill a hole within yeah. but it's not coming from essence your true self right so that's really needs to be considered that the matrix in itself is a mind program it works through us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know when we talk about transcending the matrix we don't mean like uh, leaving the planet or trying to find some place you know disconnected from the modern world, go back into nature, into the jungle or somewhere, <laughs> become self-sustainable, grow your own food, all fine and good, more power to that as well. I, I encourage decentralization, all of that. But then you fall into the trap of um, 
you know, mistaking the matrix for some physical manifestation out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, and it has go ahead. it has physical manifestations, it does, absolutely. Like yes. legacy me mainstream <clears throat> legacy media, the government structures, mainstream medicine mainstream education all of that yeah. and so you see right now and this is i mean related to saturn actually in astrology is these um ancient systems are crumbling right now yeah. and i think that's what people see you know and um and i think it freaks them out a little bit even though they don't like these systems anymore because where do we go from here you know yes and 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 the thing is is i think that it works on an internal factor so you know we have we grow the, the main thing that we grow up with is a set of conditioning factors from our family from the you know ancestry we grew up in from our peers from where we grew up in all of these conditioning factors ha have to be examined and and kind of potentially let go of yeah. you know it doesn't mean that we're not going to be a product of you know like for myself like i grew up in northern ontario and i see that in my accent all the time i feel very canadian sometimes but at the same time i am not that you know who i truly am is is not is beyond all of that you know um, so we have these unconscious programs that are running that I think develop into, on a basic psychological perspective, as the superego, basically. So we have this voice inside our head that then develops based on these conditioning factors that tell us, oh, you should do this, you should do this, you know, and, and this idea of, of, of what we should be in the world is based off of these conditioning factors. So... I mean, whether you had healthy or unhealthy childhood, it doesn't matter. All of these conditioning factors are present. And so the process of awakening um, and really transcending the matrix, which I don't think you can ever truly transcend it because you have to exist within these systems. It's just the way things are currently in this present moment in time. But we have to go through this individuation process. We have to go through this process of deconditioning of freeing ourselves from these unconscious habitual patterns in order to really start this process. And um, a lot of people, I think what you were speaking to, they're, they're, they basically kind of take their conditioned self and then they try and kind of interface it with their awakening process. So for example, in the new age community, learning about this process of like manifestation and how powerful our thoughts are and how they do tend to create our reality, even though they don't really necessarily get to the unconscious programs a lot of the time. But then what they do is they take their own conditioned desires, meaning I just want to have a perfect husband and family and home and be rich matrix desires not to say that those are those are that those are not valid but the matrix desires and then they create they, they interface that with their spiritual um their, their their new spiritual ego basically does yeah. that make sense yeah it reminds me of, <clears throat> excuse me it reminds me again i've mentioned that before adya shanti's quote uh do you really want to awaken or just be happy in your dream life and yeah. and people mistake awakening with being quote unquote happy in their dream life and awaken to their own terms rather than understanding that awakening is a destructive process it's yeah. it's it's uh, you know it brings up all kinds of resistance internally and externally which we'll also dive deeper into but going back about the transcending the matrix 
Um, like I mentioned before, most people then, when they first get quote unquote red pilled, externalize the matrix. They see the forces out there, and there's like an agenda out there on a 3D level, 4D level to enslave humanity that's been going on not, not just for the past two years, but decades, hundreds of years, thousands of years. Again, people familiar with my work know about that. Um, so there's definitely the matrix agenda, so to speak, but it also takes a bigger teaching function in light of the evolution of consciousness. So the trap of the matrix itself is the fear frequency to feed the doom and gloom. You know, yes. they're trying to tra trap us in fear and keep us small and, and afraid and not speak up and stand up and, and just go along with it, right? The path of last resistance. Conditioning, yeah. The conditioning, right? And, and it also gets you caught into, into endless victim blame perpetrator Disempowerment, cycles. disempowerment, yeah. right? Yeah, when you yeah. always like externalize something is, is somebody's doing to anything to you and all of that. Again, not understanding the bigger picture, which ties also in in karmic cycles, bigger cycles, the evolution of consciousness, past lives. I mean, that goes way beyond what the mind can comprehend. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. transcending the matrix in in the deeper, truer spiritual esoteric term has not much to do with like um, decentralizing and like I'm going to grow my own food and screw all banks and all of that. I'm going to you know live in the woods and whatnot and be self-sufficient and all of that, self-sustainable. And again, I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I think that we also need to disconnect from the big, from big brother basically on all levels, right? But, but as you mentioned, what consciousness is it based, is it based on? Hence, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we always emphasize even our course, the necessity for both inner and outer work. Outer work yeah. is what most people engage in trying to uncover the lies out there and speak out against government, against the, the medical tyranny right now and all of that is fine and good. We need to that as well, right? Um, to a degree, this this activism. But if it's not combined with the inner work, we mentioned that many times before as well, you can tend to feed the matrix. You fall into victim blame consciousness in shadow projection and all of it, which other forces feed off of. So to truly transcend the matrix, it is necessary to engage in the great work. We've talked about as well, the great work is the inner work to remove all of that that's in the way of who you truly are. And the more you're connected to essence, your true self, that's how you truly transcend the matrix. That's how you truly are in this world, but not of this world. And that yeah. will, that has then profound effects on the outside world because any action that we engage in to counteract the matrix needs to be embodied or grounded in, the, in a new consciousness. So what we need right now is not new, just new t systems of decentralization, script and all of that fine and good. It needs a new level of consciousness that is, it is grounded in and that can only happen through the inner work. Yeah, because I think there's the, there's the, and I think there's always going to be quote unquote, maybe not always, who knows, maybe we'll get to an enlightened society like Shambhala kind of envisions. But I think there will always be these conditioning factors representing the past systems that eventually are, are at huge risk to become oppressive and suppressive. Yeah. So I think it's also, I mean, you'll see it. Like the thing is, is like, even if mainstream education, mainstream medicine, um, the main the, the government systems as we know it even if they collapse and crumble there's also a potential and what most likely will happen is it will be replaced with a new system that will feel very inspiring at first but then will eventually get repressive and restrictive right so that's kind of how the matrix exactly. works in the sense of like shoulds you know you should do this this is what you know it it really it really dampens down the essence of spirit you know and i think the thing is, is there is an experience of no turning back on the path. 
Number one is actually probably the biggest thing that I see people engage in is they have an idea that they want to develop a deeper sense of themselves, you know, awaken, I guess you could say, even though I don't like that term, but they're not willing to actually put in the work and it is work, you know, and I, and so they, it's almost like they're, maybe they've been on the threshold for lifetimes, basically, you know, have an understanding of spirituality, have an understanding of a way out, but yet not willing to engage in the daily practice, the karma yoga, maybe you could say, in order to actually purify the the inner nature, you yeah. know? And so there's a, there, and, and, and even people listening to this podcast may kind of like it on an intellectual level, you know, but do they really want to, are they really ready to be completely devoted to something outside of the matrix, which is basically your true yeah. nature and God? That's the question. And I think that often, actually this is a quote from Tony Robbins, people change through desperation or inspiration. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be true actually on the spiritual path as well. Either you become desperate and you reach, like I did, a point where you're literally going to kill yourself and you're okay, there must be something else. I've given up on the, I've given up on all of the kind of materialistic desires. I need something else. Or inspiration, where you have that sudden, even peak experiences can be a source of that, you know, where you're like, wow, there is something beyond this conditioned reality that is keeping me asleep. Yeah. Yeah, you hit the nail of the head about this intellectual understanding, both like, you know, we live in the age of mental man, as Sri Aurobindo would, uh, said, meaning we are very head-centric people. We're living mostly in our heads. We're disconnected from our bodies, from our deeper essence. We live in this ego personality, feeling separation all over, right? So we may intellectually resonate with some spiritual teachings, even psychology, because it touches something deep within us. There's true resonance with that, right? When we read something, for example. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but an intellectual standing is not enough. It's about engaging in the work, embodying it, because you can even fool yourself. I fooled myself. I'm not taking myself out of the equation. Intellectually uh, uh, understanding certain spiritual concepts, even psychological processes, and then I fooled myself just knowing intellectually via reason where my issues come from, childhood and all of that, knowing the story, right, that I have healed it but no it has not transformed anything it was just an, an intellectual acknowledgement so to speak right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. similar to you know what's happening now in the world a lot of people come more to a mental intellectual understanding of the matrix what a lot of people call being red pilled by seeing what the what's happening in the world right with the corruption and and the, and and the evil that's out there but from an esoteric perspective this intellectual understanding of the matrix cannot be cannot be even called being red pilled as i said before when it comes to the great work, right? This is just one step and the trap is getting stuck in that. And then we just repeat, history repeats itself over and over again because we just always externalize and intellectualize. And you cannot transcend the matrix by information alone. And I also think that, you know, when people intellectually understand things, they then for actually forget them. So a true intellectual mm. understanding would be applied knowledge, in my mm -hmm. opinion. But it's actually the fact that they forget it and yeah. it's easy to forget. Oh, it's easy. Like you have to understand the world is the world is basically a matrix program as it's set up right now. 
and it will pull us back to sleep yeah. the more that we even are engaged in it in a day-to-day life, you know? Like there was a point in my life where I realized that the work that I was surrounding myself with was number one, not something I was truly passionate with. I was just doing it to pay the bills and get by. And there became too much of a divide with myself and who and the person that I was becoming and the work that I was doing. And it became like actually painful to be there because I had to pull myself back into kind of like a matrix friendly persona in order to be in that world. And I actually still kind of do that sometimes, to be honest, but that's a conscious choice. But I think that the soul really needs to be ripe is what I'm trying to say is that, you know, if you, so, and at the same time, you know, take the, take the concept of shadow work, for instance, this is probably one of the most misused and abused uh, kind of concepts in the spiritual community, you know? Um, but it's important to just intellectually understand it at first, I think, Absolutely, you know? Yeah. And even the basics is good as well. Yet at the same time, you know, this is just the entry point is just understanding our shadow. And it's a continuous process. It can take decades to integrate your shadow, you know, and it actually takes, yeah, (laughs) lifetimes. Yeah. And it does take being surrounded with people who are engaged in the same work because number one, the shadow material has, we have all sorts of like ways of justifying it, of avoiding it, of keeping it unconscious. So sometimes we actually need to be surrounded by, you know, therapists, you know, groups like we like we do, um, relationships, whatever, just people who are aware of this concept and who can kind of just nudge us a little bit. So if if I'm just really pissed off at something I read on social media and I'm going on a tangent about it, be like, oh, this person is like this and this and this and this. You know, ideally, this is my intention in life is to be surrounded by people who are willing to gently and consciously question that, you know, and and kind of hold the mirror back onto myself. And so the thing is, is the problem if you're engaged, if you're surrounded by people who are not engaged in that kind of work, what they're going to do is when you're engaged in shadow projection, they're all going to hop on with their shadow projections and they're going to fuel your self-righteousness and drag you back down to your own matrix programs, basically. That's a very good point. They will fuel your illusions, the lies you tell yourself and Mm -hmm. all of that. That's why it's always, you know, we've mentioned that before. And if you really study all the various esoteric traditions, uh, they all say the same thing, basically. Like, yeah, it's one point to point out the lies out there in the world, but it's much harder to face the lies you tell yourself. Yeah. Hence, all esoteric traditions and spiritual teachings talked about the necessity for sincerity. Sincerity, not necessarily with people out there, but how sincere are you with yourself, how honest you are. And then if you truly are sincere and dig deep within yourself, then first of all, what's happening, if all traditions have talked about this as well, you will experience disillusionment, like terror, Literally, it's a descent into the underworld and yes. you come face to face with what Gurdjieff calls the horror of the situation. And the horror of the situation, people now come face to face with what's happening in the world, evil out there. But the true horror of the situation is when you turn the mirror on to yourself and look within. And what Gurdjieff meant by the horror of the situation is disillusionment. You realize um, if you're very sincere and observe yourself, the mechanical nature of of your being, that the, yeah. the illusion of free will, you know, 
your reactiveness, your shadow projections, your unconscious ways of being, uh, all the emotions uh, you don't feel comfortably suppressed back into your shadow, your trauma, your wounds, right? Yeah. All of that, you know, or all of what you what you deny your 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 lower animal nature and all your your own pathologies, your whatever it may be, you know, that will be sh um, put up to the front and made conscious of. And then once you realize that, that, you know, is basically the heart of the situation to understand, oh my God, I'm really, I'm asleep before you. Here's, here's what I want to bring it to, what Gurdjieff also said, before you come to awake and you need to acknowledge to yourself how asleep you are. Yes. And just by understanding on some level intellectually how the matrix out there works with all these different forces and the lies by governments, you know, uh, that that is, again, that cannot be called an awakening in the deeper meaning of the sense of the word. No, and and kind of what it feels like as well, because uh, it's an Adyashanti quote, actually. He says, the awakening process is like suddenly you're the only sober person in a bar full of drunk people. That's right. what it feels like, you know? And, and, and also watch out because then the ego can easily hijack that idea and be like, I'm awakened, you guys are all drunk. <laughs> <laughs> which is like that's like i can the trap even, of superiority because i can because i notice it in myself you know and so just and this kind of leads me to what i my to, to the point i wanted to make next is that there there is a tension and i'm going to talk more about this in the second hour of a struggle between ego and soul on the mm. awakening process yes. so you know the ego actually feels extremely threatened, extremely terrified, extremely even repulsed sometimes by soul qualities. Yeah. The reason being is because this, like, the ego fears anything that threatens its existence, that could annihilate it. And the thing is, is that soul qualities will annihilate it. The ego is inherently paranoid that it will be destroyed. If you're in a paranoid mindset, you can almost guarantee that you're stuck in an ego state of consciousness. And the thing is, is the ego has the right to be paranoid. It's because as you become closer to embodying your own soul qualities, the ego will get annihilated. The, the conditioned personality, the persona self that you've put on to adapt to the world that you gained from childhood, from culture, from conditioning factors, that needs to go. That self needs to go yeah. so that you can become basically who you truly are, your true essence. So there is this struggle between ego and soul I see that people are threatened, uh, see that people are struggling with. And to the extent that we identify as the ego personality, i.e., I am a lawyer and people really respect me and look up to me and this is who I am, is to the extent that we most likely will not engage into the in the self work, you know, we have to actually be able to kind of hold that tension. And then eventually, as we engage in the inner work, however, that looks for your path, the soul qualities get so strong, and it almost becomes stronger than the ego qualities that the soul becomes strong enough yeah. to hold the ego as it continues to thrash, be paranoid, be threatened, etc. Because that's what happens even in the first stage of individuation when we're engaging in shadow work. The moment that someone turns the mirror back on ourselves and they're like, hey, what is this saying about you? The ego will respond, but the soul has to be 
interested in that comment enough to hold that ego as it freaks the F out and is like, oh, I'm not good enough. This means I'm, a, you know, it's, it's the all ego programs, you know, yeah. because the soul, I mean, the ego basically has to be humbled, I think. Yeah. No, that's a very, very important, good point. Um, that's why, you know, when you truly engage in the great work, which is the inner work, which has been the great work is basically the work to transcend the matrix, right? To to change your being, to spiritualize your being, to connect to essence. It's 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 a death rebirth process, the yes. death of the ego personality to be born in your true self. That's actually the true meaning of the symbolism of the second birth, by the way. <laughs> What's the second birth the, from? from Christianity? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um which has also been distorted and corrupted and abused, and we know all of that from dogmatic religion. But that's why we have—I've seen it myself over the years, decades, and I've seen—we've seen, we've seen it many, many people we work with, including in the course. You know, uh, once the rubber hits the road, so to speak, and it gets really deep into self-work, yeah. the inner work, the resistance comes up. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. twofold: the resistance from within, from the ego personality, the wounds, the, the traumas, the inner child don't want to go there. And other forces will be put upon you from a more esoteric perspective as well, which I'll, I'll share more about this later. Uh, various esoteric traditions have talked about the occult forces. Other forces will be put upon you to keep you back to sleep. Not just externally, obviously, physical forces from the government or whatnot, but really other occult hidden forces that tag into your blind spots, temptations, wounds to drag you back down. Like you mentioned, if you're not around the same people, yeah. they just drag you back down into the matrix. They appeal to to your ego, basically. That's the trap of the ego, the temptations and all of that. And that is why, again, from um, this deeper perspective of engaging in the great, great work, as all traditions have talked about, super efforts are necessary. Super efforts. That's really what good. Like, in, in, like a lot of life force, will, will sincerity, discipline commitment and full-on self-responsibility yeah, right yeah. it's doesn't nowadays people have a little bit of like this laser fare you know i'm just gonna do some self-work you know and even there's sometimes an entitlement around it you know what i mean that they're being owed something you know yeah, yeah. but it's again as good said you have to pay with yourself with sincere efforts give your whole being to the work 100 so the great work is not just something you do on the side while you no. live your life, no, the great work becomes your life and everything else in, is infused by it, which, by the way, doesn't mean that you need to retreat from the world. Yeah. And there was the trap of the aesthetics and like life denying, world denying and all of that. No, you do the work right here in life and use everything as a teaching function. Everything. Every little thing, you know? Yes. That's the only way to truly es transcend the matrix. Especially the things that trigger you and the, yes. especially in the moments where you feel very self-righteous. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to actually share a personal experience that happened to mm -hmm. me. I think people will be able to hopefully relate to this. So I definitely went through a radical death rebirth process. I've talked about it on other podcasts. It happened in the famous 2012 year, you know? Um, and I, my whole life has changed. My life has radically changed since that moment. Um, and I remember about three, four years into that process of doing daily yoga, meditation, self-work, all sorts of other things, I remember I was living on Vancouver Island at the time. I escaped to nature to actually decondition myself from all of the conditioning factors of my teens and 20s when I was living in big cities. Um, I needed to become individuated. I even alienated kind of myself. I became isolated. But I remember in this moment where I was 
I, I just came away from a conversation with like an old friend of mine and I just realized more and more how I was unable to relate to the people around me from the past and it became more and more painful, similar to what I actually shared earlier, working in a job, it became, became more and more painful to engage with these kinds of old relationships because these people were not truly interested in the kind of inner work and weren't really interested in spirituality whatsoever. So I became, and in fact, they would kind of like, I mean, this is a, sign of like some toxic friendships but even like put me down like kind of like jokingly treat my own meditation and spiritual practice and whatnot but anyway I was riding my bike and I even I remember because I stopped my bike in when I was riding my bike through the forest to have this moment and I had this realization uh, that if I continue doing daily yoga, doing meditation, doing self-work, there's going to be no turning back at that point. And I won't be able to turn back to that life that I had before. I'm Something else had to happen. And I remember even consciously making that choice. I was like, whoa, if I stop it all now, I can actually go back to that life. I can go back to sleep, basically. But if I continue going, the momentum is going to pick up and I'm never, I'm not going to be able to go back to that point. And so that's that point of crossing the threshold yeah. where instead of, instead of just doing it as like, oh, like I need to heal myself. I want to feel better. I want to have better relationships. You're like, no, this is taking me somewhere else altogether and I am going to reach the past of no return. And instead of just doing it as like kind of maybe a phase or a hobby, you become like, it's this is your life now, Yes, you know? And I think that's the point that people need to make is that a lot of people, and it doesn't mean that you need to be like constantly reading self-work and meditating all the time. It just means applying it in your day-to-day -day circumstances and being sincere, you know? And that's hard because the moment that you actually start to apply it in your everyday life, you're basically shedding light on all aspects of your relationships, your life. Like everything needs to become illuminated, yeah. you know? Also, the more you also still, that's the threshold to cross is also what I mentioned before. Most people also, Again, I can see myself with all these different personalities, part of the ego personality we identify with, right? And mistake that for the true self as long as that is there and we don't have the inner witness observant to kind of be aware of that. Mm -hmm. We're constantly just going in circles and yes. cycles because you're still subjected to, to, to uh, you know, conditioning, programming, wounding, and the desires arising from that, you know? And, you know, as you shared my story, your story, I can share a little bit about myself you know there's also something to be said as one has said there on the side note what you mentioned before that the soul has to be ripe to engage in the great work and that happens over lifetimes right yes. as the soul becomes more in front because i can remember in my life even early in my childhood i was always going outside looking at the stars there must be more to life i could never fit in i would i never had the desires most people kids had growing up of like you know making as much money as possible, family, house, all of that. I was just questioning, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, there must, yeah. So there was already the seed, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And then I think I took the quote red pill after high school, when I got out of high school in, in Germany and started really to question government, what's going on on the 3D matrix level, right? Yeah. On the very basic level. And then, you know, as I asked the questions, I was introduced more to spiritual work. You know, I got into Krishnamurti. I mentioned that story before. And then I got into Jungian psychology, The Shadow. I remember in the mid-90s, I started his work in depth, read his books, uh, books written about him. I have folders, writing it out, all of that. But, you know, it took me quite some years to really also embody the work, you know. 
And that comes up to a question we sometimes we're getting asked a lot, you know, how come some people have done a lot of self-work, have not have had no breakthroughs and still dealing with the same issues and challenges? Well, why? Because they never fully crossed the threshold. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go back to this idea of crossing a threshold, which is uh, which is a, um, a concept of es uh, esotericism with many parables. Um, exemplifying this this journey of crossing the threshold. And I can see in my early years, you know, I was intellectualizing the process. I focused externally in order. I was reading about spirituality, got inspired here and there, you yeah. know, because it resonated, uh, engaging in, in shadow work, self-work. But for the most part, as I mentioned, it, it was an intellectual process, right? Yes, you needed the direct experience. It, exactly. And I was not embodying it. And I was not fully sincere, Mm -hmm. I have to be honest. I was not fully sincere because the ego was too much. Ego was too much. I had still my egoic desires. I was just distracted mm. with friends and this mm -hmm. and that. You know what I mean? Just just dabbling, a little bit curious, but not committing my life to it. Yeah, right? yeah. And once I committed my life, was moments in my life similar to you when I was dragged down into the pit of 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 darkness, right? The uh, dark night of the soul when I had no other choice but to surrender, either going to kill myself or engage in this work. Yeah, right? desperation. That was kind of like, that's hence the ascent and descent, so to speak. Yeah, right? yeah. So crossing the threshold really means to really like commit your whole life to answer the call sincerely, right? Yeah. That's also then when the divine reaches you, like how much do you give yourself? How much do you pay with yourself? Yeah. And so this is something for all listeners to reflect on how sincere with yourself, right? Yeah. And if you're really sincere, if you first of all, and I can see myself will confront the lies you tell yourself before you can really engage yeah. with, you have to face your own sleeplessness and be very humble about the lies you tell yourself. I can still see my insincerity here and there coming up. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I have to watch out my own super ego manager. Not then you go to the other it. extreme. The other some yeah. Be, uh, beating me up for it. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, and judging yeah. myself because I, the the hardest person, uh, uh, you know, that is hard on me is myself, basically, or part of my ego personality. Your super ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But also crossing the threshold implies that, you know, there will all, it, It creates the warrior, spiritual warrior attitude as well because there will this immense resistance. We have seen it with many people we've worked with again. I see it out there. Once the rubber hits the road, a lot of people um, give up and proverbially take the blue pill and they go back to not just their old life, but their old habits, behaviors, conditioning, programs, and all of that. Yes. Right? Or they're so attached to their matrix, quote unquote, desires that they cannot let that go and want to bring this over with to the threshold when no, this has to be burned in the fire of transmutation. Yeah. And it takes a lot of energy to move from this herd state, this herd mentality mm. into an individuated state, because no longer can you find security in, you know, these conditioning relationships, meaning like, oh, I get approval from the world. Therefore, I feel good about myself. I feel like I belong in a tribe and a family. Therefore, I feel good about myself. No, all of that has to go. And what happens is, is that you look for something higher to become your central guiding beacon in life. And that's what changes, you know, is that you just, you have to basically, as cheesy as it sounds, give up on the idea that anything in the external world will provide you lasting fulfillment and really, really drill that home and 
give up on it because it's not going to happen. There's going to be good and bad experiences throughout your life. You're going to suffer no matter what. You're not going to reach 60 and all of a sudden you just feel love and light all the time. Although I do feel at the higher threshold of awakening, you do start embodying the sense of unconditional love and a deep heart opening starts happening as you start to retrieving your own soul qualities because that is the essence of the soul is loving, is compassionate, is clear, is courageous, you know? So... Um, so I think that, I mean, there's so much more we're going to have to say about it in the second hour, in the second hour, but it really takes a lot of efforts, you know, to, in order to do that. And the moment that you were willing to apply effort and sincerely want to know, like, even as a child, as you were speaking, I remember asking my mom, like, who is Jesus? What is religion? What religion am I? Like, why are they doing this? Like, I was, I was like, just guided by this question of why, why is this? Why is this? You know, that's, I think the, 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 the entry level question is why, why am I like this? Why is the world like this? Why, why, why? And literally ask why and decondition yourself until you start retrieving back your true essence. And you have to want it. Like at this point in my journey, I know that you're not going to make me happy. I know that any success I experience in life will not make me happy. The only true fulfillment comes from God. And it's like we're constantly trying to seek the experience of God through the outer world, through things that happen to us. And that's not, and the great work is really creating that cathedral within yourself, you know? And that's, and, and you have to want that. Like, and I think even in the beginning of the path, you have to have enough faith that that's possible, that you're willing to engage in super efforts in spite of any quote unquote reward. So don't do it because right. you're like, I'm going to get a, hijacks that. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And, 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 and lose, like just try and drop the idea as much as possible. I know it's hard for the ego to drop the idea that you're going to get anything out of it. Yes. You, it may open your heart. It may bring better relationships, whatever, but drop that idea and just sincerely desire to know the divine and to know something beyond this materialistic world that we live in. That's it's, it's the devotion aspect of yoga, you know, is that with me, I had a couple peak experiences that hit me actually spending time in nature, some with plant medicine that I was like, whoa, I don't need to believe in God. I know that there is a God and I want to have a deep connection with this essence of spiritual reality as much as I can in my day-to-day life, you know, and that's, and, and that's the, that's the crossing the threshold, you know, now I no longer think that like, oh, this is going to make me happy. If I get to this goal, this goal, have this thing, this thing, that's going to make me happy. No, I engage in life and I make friends and I set goals and I run a business. I do all these things but I don't do it because I think it's going to make me happy. I just do it because it's just part of my responsibilities of life, you know, but the true happiness can only come from your relationship with God. Yeah. Very well said. Um, That also reminds me that the sincere asking, right, which is also exemplified in the biblical saying, ask and ask and knock and knock and you shall receive, which the new age, by the way, has to start off just asking for whatever wish, like a genie bottle, and then your dreams are going to be, God is going to give you all your desires. No, 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 the the true meaning of this phrase, ask and ask and knock and knock and you shall receive, was get towards the seeker, the adept, right? 
uh, to seek the divine for the uh, sake of the divine only, as Sri Abundu said, without bargaining, right? Yeah. This sincere effort, wanting to know whatever it may be, yeah. which also the truth, which may not be what you like to see or your ego personality, especially about yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's not just externally, but yeah. looking yourself into the mirror. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Sirabindo, like I have this great quote from him here, right? I just read the other day, which ties into what I mentioned before, that all this action, what we do right now, yeah, there needs to be action, but I always say spiritually informed activism, right? Being warriors in, um, in service to the divine. Because whatever we do now, new systems, externalizing and decentralizing, all are fine and good, but what consciousness is it based on, right? Even see with the whole crypto hype and all of that, this is the way Bitcoin, you know, um, Maximus say Bitcoin fixes this and that and crypto fixes this and that, but I still see the old consciousness even the, in the that community, the materialism, the atheism, right? Yes, yes. So I want to just read this uh, short quote from Sri Aurobindo. All this insistence upon action is, absur is absurd if one has not the light by which to act. The advocates of action think that by human intellect and energy making an always new rush, everything can be put right. The present state of the world of the development of the intellect and stupendous output of energy for which there is no historical peril is a signal proof of the emptiness of the illusion under which they labor. It is only by a change of consciousness that the true basis of life can be discovered from within outward. But within does not mean some quarter inch behind the surface. One must go deep and find the soul, the true self, behind the mask of the conditioned personality, the divine reality within us. And only then can life become a true expression of what we can be instead of a blind and always repeated confused blur of the inadequate and imperfect things we were. The choice is between remaining in the old jumble and groping about in the hope of stumbling on some discovery or standing back and seeing the light within till we discover and can build the Godhead within and without us. Yeah, so, so you think that's uh, that's good for the first hour? Or? Yeah, so we have definitely a lot more to dive into. So. But just referencing to the crowd about Shirobunda, that's that's what the great work is about. We need to f live from within, and then the more we're connected to our essence, to our true soul being, the more we're connected to, to our unique soul purpose. The more, as as as, as you shared, Laura, uh, are connected to your true joy, which is the state of 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 the true state of your soul, your true fulfillment within, and then action arises out of this, and that's how we have true effect on the world, right? Yes. It's not just rejecting out there, even with technology. You know, you what's happening in the world, I just want to mention that before we end this first hour, obviously there's the rise of AI, transhumanism. You heard just from uh, Facebook announcement, metaverse, virtual reality, and all of that. This is inevitable. It's going to happen, yes. right? But then if you're just externally uh, um, focused and have this knee-jerk, nostalgic, romantic re reaction. I'm just going to reject all technology, go back into the woods, grow my own food, live in a tribal living. That's not the way out either. That's not how we transcend the matrix. That's that's a trap in itself because they externalize it, right? Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, take care of ourselves, but connect who, to nature. But, but who is to that. say what we should or shouldn't do? Because that's the voice of the superego, exactly. by the way. Now, what, but what I'm saying is there's something else. It's just a deeper shift of consciousness. Yes, right? yes. Then even like whatever technologically, you know, even crypto, it can be also used for good depending what consciousness it's operating from. 
Totally. That's what I'm uh, what I'm hinting at. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I'm certainly not telling anybody what they should should be doing. You do what you feel right on your journey. Everybody is, is an individual and different journeys. But what consciousness is it based on? Yes. And that actually leads me to a great question to close off with, is that if you want to understand the conditioning factors which are holding you back, make a list of all the things that you think you should do, mm. should be the person, <laughs> like all of that, all the shoulds, that's the voice of the superego, that's the voice of the conditioning factor, that's your own inner matrix, like just right. holding you back. Doesn't mean that you you know, don't want to attempt to be a good person or whatever. It does that nothing to do with it. But this voice in your head, I should do this. I should do this. I should be this. Yeah. I should feel that. Those are the things to start. Those are I, the questions to there's, start there's, asking you. What you hinted as the other trap of then we start when you get into this work, then all of a sudden you may have the super ego comes up with the idealized spiritual self image you have mm -hmm. of you need to be before you can do anything. Well, yeah, that's right? an, that's another factor. But even like, you know, Oh, I should stay a lawyer because I went to school for eight years to study you with right. it. Even though I'm more aligned with something else now, I should I should stay in this job. It gives me financial security. I should just stay friends with this person from my childhood who now thinks yeah, I'm whose a whose voice is that? Right? Who now thinks I'm a far right conspiracy theorist because I've known them forever. Like all of these shoulds doesn't mean that necessarily the answer is yes or no but be willing to objectively question all of these shoulds that have gone on your head. And that is how you've internalized the matrix within. So in the second hour, um, we're going to get more into, um, you know, what gets in the way of this kind of crossing the threshold experience. What does it mean to be sincere? Um, also distractions, temptations, detours, tests, what happens when we refuse the call, mm -hmm. as Joseph Campbell talks about in his hero journey. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this ego and soul struggle. And I also want to talk a little bit on this idea that a lot of people think they want to know God, but they're terrified of it. And that is for good reason. So we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. Yeah, I was going to share more about the esoteric concept of crossing the threshold citing a bit from uh, Boris Moravia's work, Gnosis, incredible uh, body of work, which I've uh, quoted over the years a lot in on, in my writings, it's based on esoteric Christianity. So we dive into that deeper as well. And again, if you're not already a member, and um, but also would like to support us, uh, the second hour is only for members. And you can sign up at my website, veilofreality.com. And again, it gives you access um, um, access to all the second hour podcasts which by the way we've already over 70 episodes and i encourage any listeners who's new to our podcast go back to the older episodes because a lot of the uh, episodes we uh, recorded and uh, with topics that are timeless that are actually very applicable right now so there's a lot you can learn and get insights from and um, yeah and if you're interested for the next round of our embodied soul awakening group coaching program it starts january 3rd Go to awakenapply.com or look up the course on my website. And with that being said, see you all in the second hour. <laughs>